This morning's reading is Revelation 21, verses 1 through to Revelation 22, verse 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children." But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plays, came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be twelve thousand stadia in length, and as wide and as high as it was long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement, and it was a hundred and four cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper, and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great city of the city of gold, as pure and as transparent as glass. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendour into it. On no day will the gates ever be shut, there will be no more night there. The glory and honour of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, 
nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Thanks very much, Nigel. Let's pray together as we come to God's word. Father in heaven, we thank you for these final couple of chapters in your great story. Lord, as we look at them together, help us not only see what John saw with clarity, but help us to embrace this world that will one day be ours through faith in Jesus Christ. And we pray it for his glory. Amen. Well, I imagine most people are familiar with the phrase there on the screen, out with the old, in with the new. Whether we're talking about a major clear out at home or a big renovation project or a new wardrobe, a new look for a new season of life, or even a change of behavior, out with the old fast food diet, in with the new healthy vegan alternative. I think we all understand the principle of out with the old, in with the new. Well, that's exactly what's going on here in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. What we have is a clearing out of the old creation. A world that has been so deeply broken by sin, out with the old. And into its place, God will bring, unfurl a whole new created order. And that is exactly what John sees here in this final vision. Have a look down at verse 1. Then I saw... This is what John sees in this vision. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. It is the same glorious future that is set before us in Isaiah chapter 65 verse 17 where we read this. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. And that great chapter finishes with these words in verse 25. The wolf and the lamb will feed together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. It is a picture of perfect harmony and restoration. What Isaiah sees in 2D, John sees here in 3D. What we have before us is a quite stunning picture of God's new and perfect world. And as we journey with John through these final two chapters, as we slow down in life to see what John saw, what I think we'll see is both a continuity and a discontinuity between this world and the next. You see, in some ways, the world to come will be similar to this one. Yet in other ways, it will be radically and gloriously different. Look at these words from Don McLeod in one of his commentaries. 
Speaking of this day and this cosmic moment of transformation, there will be a great moment of regeneration, a moment of new birth for the cosmos itself. When God who made the world will pull it apart into its place, he will call into being a new universe, one which is a continuation of the old world, yet radically and splendidly different. And at the end of verse 1, we see something of that, of that difference and that discontinuity. You see that little phrase there? End of verse 1, there was no longer any sea. Now that doesn't mean there's going to be no majestic beaches and rolling waves in the new creation. Remember the book of Revelation is a picture book. And in this picture book, the, the sea is a, is a symbol of chaos and disorder. It is the place from which the beast and the false prophets arise. And that's why we read in verse 1, there'll be no more sea, because in the new creation, there'll be no more chaos, no more disorder. Nothing will rise up to wreak havoc in God's new and perfect world. We see the same thing in verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Everything that we associate with living in this sin-broken world will be no more, not even a distant memory. Can you imagine what that will be like? A world without sin and suffering and sickness and sorrow. Can, Can your mind even conceive these things? So used to, are we, living in this broken world? These great enemies invade our personal space every day of our lives. They're knocking on our door in the first creation. But in heaven there'll be no more. Those four words, death, mourning, crying and pain, will be totally absent from the heavenly dictionary. Why? For the old order of things has passed away. They belong to the old order. And the old order is on the way out, out with the old and in with the new. And like a loving father, God will pick up each of his children into his loving arms and he will wipe away every tear and with it every memory of pain and sorrow that we carry around with us in this world. There will be great discontinuity between this world and the next and that is a beautiful thing. But there'll also be great continuity between this world and the next. And that'll also be a beautiful thing. Look at verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. The word new that you see there in verse 5 is probably better translated renew. It's more like a a total renovation project than it is a new build. You see, God isn't starting from scratch here. He's committed to, to renewing and redeeming his current creation. We see the same thing in Romans chapter 8. We see the same thing in 2 Peter chapter 3. And we see the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in relation to the new resurrection body. There'll be something of a continuity between this world and the next and therefore it matters it matters what we do with this world and it matters how we live in this world you see christians at times have been challenged for being too heavenly focused to the point where we take our eyes off this world can i say there is no such thing 
the more focused we are on eternity, the more our hearts and our minds are captivated with what we read before us in Revelation 21 and 22, the more useful we will be for Jesus in this world today. As John Piper says, I believe with all my heart that in order to be useful in this world, we must fall in love with another world. In order to transform this world for the glory of Christ, we must be saturated with the glory and the wisdom of another world. In order to be the light of this world, we must put our torch in the flame of heaven. And for the next 15 minutes, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to put our torch in the flame of heaven. In order that as a community of believers, we might be the light of the world in a world of darkness. And in these last two chapters, as, as God reveals this new creation to us, he gives us three magnificent pictures, a picture of a heavenly city, a picture of a heavenly bride, and a picture of a heavenly garden. Let's take a look at the, the city first, which is a picture of a restored community. Have a look at verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And again in verse 10, and he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. You see, in many ways, the story of the Bible is the tale of two cities. Babylon is a picture of, of proud people seeking their own glory goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 11 when people set themselves up against God in proud opposition and they've been doing so ever since. But then we have the New Jerusalem, which is a picture of saved people seeking God's glory. And this new community is coming down out of heaven into the new creation like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And as you can see in verse 11 and 12, this new bride-like community will shine with God's glory and will be safe in God's presence. Verse 11, it shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And everything that follows speaks of extravagance and splendor. Have a look at verse 18 onwards. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city wall were, were decorated with every kind of precious stone. And so it goes on. Verse 21, the 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. What we have here is a picture of the church. A perfectly restored image of God within his people as we shine forever with his brilliance. And of course, what we will be one day in heaven, when we are perfectly transformed into his likeness, what we will be then, God wants for his people now. To be a city on a hill now. To be a light on a stand now. To shed forth the light of the gospel now across this dark and broken world to reflect the brilliance of the Lord Jesus out into the world around us. 
Firstly, this heavenly city will be a restored community of people together that shine with God's glory. And secondly, it will be a community safe in God's presence. Have a look at verse 12. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. And like the first Jerusalem, which was conquered at the hand of the Babylonians and subsequently at the hands of the Romans, this heavenly city is built to last. It will stand forever. Verse 25, on no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. Now, if you lived in a city in the first century, it would have been protocol as as darkness fell that you shut the gates, you battened down the hatches and you put your watchmen all around the city walls because of the, the constant threat of invasion. But here in this vision of the heavenly city, the gates are wide open. Why? Because there is no external threat. The old order has passed away. The beast and the false prophet and the dragon and all who stand with them against God have already been disposed of in the lake of burning sulfur. Out with the old, in with the new. And not only is this restored community free from external threats, it's also free from internal corruption. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. But as we saw last week, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Only those who've trusted in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross will be a part of that restored community that will shine with God's glory and will be safe in God's presence. The first picture we're given is that of a heavenly city. Our second picture is that of a heavenly bride. And in verse 2, you'll see how these two pictures look woven together. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Here's the city coming down out of heaven. What does it look like? Looks like a bride. Prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. The city and the bride are one and the same thing. It is the people of God. But where the city focuses on community, the bride focuses on intimacy. Verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And so here we come to the very heart of heaven, the center of God's new creation, a restored relationship with the life-giving God himself. It is a picture of outrageous intimacy and joy. And that's one of the reasons why the church here is is pictured as a bride. A couple of weeks' time, Tash, you'll walk up the aisle and you'll stand before Cal. Can you imagine the day when we walk up the aisle in heaven? And stand before our Savior to be brought into an eternal, lasting union with Him. It will be a moment and an ongoing moment, a moment, a moment of unparalleled intimacy and joy. As Jonathan Edwards says, the essence of heaven, this is right at the heart of heaven, is a vision of God 
We're going to see God face to face. And that's where the eternal increase of joy comes. Heaven might well be summed up in the declaration taken from Revelation 22 verse 4. They will see his face. Can you imagine the day? When you walk up the aisle in heaven, when this life comes to an end and you stand before your Savior and what is held out before us now in this vision will come a reality that we can reach out and touch with our hands as we embrace our Savior because of what he has done for us. The holding is becoming, right? And when we behold God in all his glory... When we see God for who he really is, when we behold him on that day, we will become like him, restored to his perfect image and therefore shining with all his brilliance and glory. You see, the best thing about heaven isn't what will be there. It's who will be there. Because Jesus will be there. Just skip forward to verse 16 where we get another Lovely description of this bride-like city. The city was laid out like a square. As long as it was wide, he measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and as high as it is long. See what shape the city will be? Cube. A perfect cube. And does anyone know the only other structure in the whole of the Bible that is a perfect cube? The Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle, and then in the temple, the place where God made his home among his people, the where the place where God was most gloriously manifest. Now have a look at verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. There's no need for a temple in the new creation, because there's no distance between God and man. The temple was set up for that very reason, to help us understand that there is distance between a holy God and sinful people. We cannot just walk into the presence of a holy God and be okay. In the new creation, there are no restrictions. There are no barriers. God's glory and God's presence will permeate every single corner of the new creation. And there we will bask in the warmth of God's goodness for all of eternity. The new creation will be like a new city, a picture of community. And in it, the bride will come down to stand face to face with the Lord himself in a picture of wonderful intimacy. And then lastly, we have a heavenly garden, which is a picture of abundant life. You're probably aware that the Bible begins with God creating The heavens and the earth, Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the focus in Genesis chapter 2 is a garden, the garden of Eden. And God's big story concludes here in Revelation 21 and 22 with God creating a new heaven and a new earth. And what is the focus in Revelation 22? A garden, a new perfectly restored Garden of Eden. At the center of that garden is the throne of God himself. Verse 1 and 2 of chapter 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, 
down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. What we have here is a return to Eden. It is a return to paradise. It is a return to the life that God intended for his people. And the tree of life is once again prominent. Have a look at the little diagram there on the screen as as we track the tree of life through scripture. You remember it there? Genesis 1 and 2. God makes a glorious world and it's an abundant, life-filled, rich world that speaks of God's incredible generosity. And in the center of that world is the tree of life, which is a symbol of God. And as, and as people, we had free and perfect access to the tree of life. Perfect access into God and his glorious presence. But in Genesis chapter 3... When mankind sins and rebels against God's loving rule, what happens to the garden? Well, they're kicked out. Adam and Eve are out the garden. No longer can sinful people just reach out and take freely from the tree of life, the cherubim, a guard in the way to the tree of life, a flaming sword flashing, flashing backwards and forwards. The tree of life is inaccessible through the rest of the scriptures. Until the Lord Jesus comes down into this world. Because from Genesis chapter 3, God has been working to restore humanity to its original place in the presence of God. And so is it any surprise that in Revelation chapter 22, what do we see there? We see the tree of life. As you're swimming up and down in the river of life in that new garden... Bit of breaststroke, bit of backstroke, whichever side of the river of life you get out on, the tree of life is there. Point being, it's just life. Everywhere is life filled because God fills the new creation. And where God is, there is life. Yet, we live in a world today where so many people are looking for life in the wrong place. They are pursuing pleasures and treasures that will never save or satisfy. True life is only found in Jesus Christ. That's the point of verse 1, isn't it? Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Life flows from God through Christ to us and Jesus as he has been throughout the book of Revelation is pictured as a lamb why? because there is no life outside the saving, sacrificial substitutionary work of the Lord Jesus who came down from heaven to give himself for us the lamb of God who takes away the sin of this world who smashes down every barrier that we might be brought back into the very presence of a loving life giving God Only through Jesus Christ can we reach out and take from the tree of life. Only through Jesus Christ can we drink again from the river of the water of life. And so the question for us all this morning is which stream or river are you drinking from? The polluted stream of this world, which will leave you gasping, going after the 
the fake pleasures that will never save or satisfy, but so many people are doing it, they're swimming in that stream and they will end up gasping. Or are you swimming in the river of life? Refreshing, thirst-quenching waters that flow from Christ where we will bask forever in the goodness of God for all of eternity. You see, one day soon, this is where we're going to next eight week, one day soon, the Lord Jesus will return from heaven in glory. And when he does, he will clear out the old creation. The old order is on the way out. Out with the old and in with the new. God is going to establish a whole new created order. A heavenly city, a perfectly restored community, a heavenly bride, a picture of outrageous intimacy with our Savior and with one another. And a heavenly garden where we will see, enjoy and experience a life that far surpasses anything our minds today can conceive. Community, intimacy and life. And it all comes to us through Jesus Christ. Let me leave you with these words to read to yourself. Words from Ephesians 2, verse 6 and 7. And why don't you take a moment to think and to thank God for some of those incomparable riches of his grace that we've thought about this morning that are stored up, waiting, ready for us to embrace and take hold of with both hands. Take a moment to think those verses through and then we're going to come to the Lord's table.